A little content warning before we get started. We'll be discussing an attempted suicide as well as an abusive relationship. Listen at your own discretion. Welcome to BMCC Book Talk. The Blue Mountain Community College Library in Pendleton, Oregon has teamed up with the Pendleton Public Library to host a virtual book club for students and the community. I'm Ashley Emmons from the BMCC Library and my co-host is Heather Culley from the Pendleton Public Library. If you can't make it to our meetings yourself, or if you would just like to listen in, this podcast will be the source for all of our meeting recordings. We can't guarantee the podcast will be free of cursing or mature concepts, so listen at your own discretion. If you'd like to participate yourself, visit our website at libguides.bluecc.edu slash virtualbookclub. That's L-I-B. G-U-I-D-E-S dot bluecc dot edu slash virtual book club. We recommend keeping up with our current reading schedule as you listen to avoid confusion and get the most enjoyment out of this podcast. We do not guarantee any summary of the reading material, and we reserve the right to get sidetracked. Also, beware of spoilers. This week, we'll be discussing chapters 13 through 18 of Look Me in the Eye, as well as school days through flemmed before a live audience in Running With Scissors. Hello, Heather. Uh, This is the first time I've used my phone to do this. I'm on vacation. Oh, nice. (laughs) This will be an unprofessional visit. That's fine. I just was taking... Oh, yeah. Don't worry about it. All right, should we discuss some books? Let's. Okay, so as usual, let's start with Look Me in the Eye. So my first one was, these chapters focus largely on Robeson's time working for Kiss, creating audio and visual effects. He speaks (laughs) enthusiastically about his work, but then he leaves that line of work. What do you make of this? I think that he is smart enough to know that he actually needs just... A constant paycheck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he can't, he says it himself, I couldn't live on $3,000 for three months and then, you know, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that he, you see a lot of recognition that he's not interested in the stuff that is usually provided by the whole rock lifestyle. And he, seems to be stressed out by it, which makes a lot of sense. It's very stressful. And he's just like, I mean, yeah, I like what I do, but is it really worth it to go through all the stress and not get much out of it? Other than, you know, when I'm with them, I get to enjoy some luxury stuff. But the rest of the time I'm broke and I also have to deal with all of the drugs and people who might beat me up and stuff like that people who want to use him to get close to the band yeah yeah i think he recognizes a lot of what is actually going on where a lot of people wouldn't recognize it necessarily because they're kind of blinded by the fame and fortune idea and i mean he he makes it pretty clear that fame is not something that really matters at all to him i mean yeah kiss is famous whatever (laughs) (laughs) so Yeah, I think he just doesn't see a lot of reason to stick around. And I was surprised that he liked, as much as he did, 
when people were cheering when his creation was on stage and it was exciting. And mm-hmm. I was surprised that he even cared what the crowd thought. Yeah, it, you would think that. like as long as it worked, maybe he that's all he would care about. But he he does seem to get that bit of rush from the crowd really enjoying it, which I think is the one reason that I was a little bit surprised that he decided to get out of it. Because, I mean, if you're just going to nightclubs or whatever, you're not going to get the same rush of yeah. uh, I did this thing and it worked and everybody loves it. It's so cool. Yeah. But I guess that rush wasn't worth it to him either. So. And now I'm very much afraid that he was the one that <laughs> set up that nightclub that kept fire and all the people were killed in it. That oh, yeah. White Snake was performing in. I don't think he was, though. I hope not. That would suck. But yeah. Okay, so let's move on to the next one. We see one of the rare scenes of John Elder and Varmint interacting in these chapters. Does this scene give us any further insight into their relationship? I think that for a while I thought that Varmint was making him into a surrogate parent, but I don't think that's the case at all. I think Varmint is just very self-absorbed person. Mm-hmm. He's 14. Yeah, he's going to be self-absorbed. I think that's, you know for what it is pretty normal yeah i think also and, he's seen that modeled you know yeah. their mother is very self-absorbed so yeah. if that's what he's been growing up around which it has been for the most part then that's what he's going to do as well most likely uh-huh. and i don't know how i feel about him just buying a plane ticket for his brother and then letting him loose <laughs> to wander yeah. around a rock and roll motel Yeah, that would make me nervous, too. But I mean, I guess the difference in age from when he was when John Elder was going out on his own and when he's buying tickets for his brother, there's not a huge age gap there. So I guess it's not that surprising, although it it is still alarming. (laughs) I still would be like, you okay? You're only 13. Are you sure you can handle this? (laughs) But yeah, uh, I thought that that scene was interesting because I don't know, you you see even more agreement between the two stories of how each one of them acts. You see John Elder is very much like, well, I'm doing this thing and this is what I care about and I'll put up with this other thing, but this is what I care about. And then Varmint is very much like, well, what about me? <laughs> which you know makes some degree of sense but it it was really interesting because i i also noticed that john elder i don't see a lot of incentive for him to give his brother money or anything but he Mm -hmm. does Uh he doesn't seem to worry about it he's just like i mean i don't wanna but if you need two hundred dollars here's two (laughs) hundred dollars to buy your Calvin Klein and your magazine clothes. Yeah, exactly. I just, and I I realized why, but it's just such a stark and plain and heartbreakingly honest portrayal of a child who has the trappings of maturity and adulthood and sophistication, but is actually in his maturity quite a bit younger than Mm -hmm. his age 
like yeah. making a collage of clothes and I have to have these clothes. You have to get them for me. That's like, that's like a 10 year old. Mm-hmm. That's like a child, child, not like a young teen either. But, yeah. And I know why. <laughs> I know why. But it's yeah. just so, and he, he does it in his book and he, it, that's how he is and look me in the eye. Mm-hmm. It's just so painful. To yeah. See. I mean, there, there's so much distraction going on, intentional distraction uh-huh. that, yeah, it, it does make him act like a child more so. And it also gets in the way of things and it makes you sad for him because, you know, you would wish that he could just mature the way that would be natural. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't get to do that. It's really unfortunate. And I mean, his yeah. brother doesn't get to really mature in a way that's natural either. Both of them, because of the situation with their parents, they just have to figure out whatever works for them in the moment. <laughs> that's sure right. Yeah. All right. What did you think of the scene with John Elder and the snake? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought... Uh, in the first place, why why would he think that the snake would get in at all? I mean, why would he think that the cleaning lady would open the door and let the snake in? I know. I was kind of wondering that, too. I was like, well, if the snake's still there, the cleaning lady's probably not going to approach the door. <laughs> but, you know, his mother does things that are very ill-advised. That is his true. His father does things that are very ill-advised. He doesn't mm-hmm. really have... A lot of experience with another adult making decisions that are okay. Yeah. So, and then he knows he's not supposed to have the gun. <laughs> it's just like all a point. I found it funny that he was like, I'm going to read up on all of the gun laws for where I'm going, but then I'm going to forget them and just wonder which ones I'm breaking. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that doesn't seem, well, I mean... I guess uh, when he's normally reading up on something, it's something that he's very thoroughly interested in. And he's probably not that interested in gun laws. So he probably Uh doesn't care to retain the information, which is really funny. Yeah. But yeah, I also found it funny because he just wanders out in his underwear and is waving a gun around and then very slowly realizes, oh, people are staring because I seem very odd right now. They're not staring because of the snake. Oh, and then he knows exactly how to talk to the sheriff's deputy. Oh, yeah. That part was funny. (laughs) I thought it was funny that he had already met the sheriff's deputy and was like, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. And then they they were like, well, yeah, I mean, of course you shot the snake. (laughs) The the (laughs) motel owner is just like, excuse me? This doesn't go at all the way I thought it should. And he yeah. kind of gets flipped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's... And he has to pay him back. Ah, man. Yeah. I would but not. No, I don't that... think that's probably the way to deal with the snake. No. <laughs> no. Especially not with a bunch of kids swimming nearby. Although it did sound uh, uh... like that place was not well kept and maybe there was more reason to worry about a snake getting in, but I still don't know if that was the approach to take. Yeah. 
I found it I also surprising that he... off a bunch of shots. Yeah, well, and he had bullets meant for snakes, which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> he was like, all right, well, let's swap out my bullets and get to work. But yeah, that was an interesting scene. Most of the time in these books, I'm like, the scenes that are supposed to be funny are not really funny to me, but that one was actually kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So the last one for Look Me in the Eye. What stands out to you about John Elder's job hunting process? Well, he knows what he can do, right? Mm -hmm. But I just think it's funny that he expects to find such a job in Amherst that he keeps saying, oh, it's a little town. It's little. It's little here. It's just a small. (laughs) You already know everything that is a job in that town. Mm -hmm. Looking at the ads isn't going to make the job appear, but it does. Yeah, I thought that was really surprising. I also thought it was funny because if you look at the way that he hunts for jobs, you can see so much difference with how it would happen now. Like, uh-huh. I mean, it, it was just such a different time. And it it's funny to me that he was like, well, everything in there except my age and what was it? My age education. and my education was all true. And I was like, if you tried <laughs> that now, you'd probably get in trouble. <laughs> I kept thinking uh, if they found out that he doesn't have the, that it doesn't match up, he doesn't have the credentials, uh, that he could get fired. But actually, mm-hmm. I don't think that really happens all that much. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, if you are, what's the word, profitable, then mm-hmm. you are profitable. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think all they would probably do really is cut your wage. Yeah. If I anything. It, yeah. I think it's funny because it seems like back then you could fake it so much more easily. You know, people always say fake it till you make it. And I feel like nowadays there's so many ways for people to check what you're saying that yeah. it's a lot harder to do that. But back then you really could just fake it till you make it. You could just yep. make up everything on your resume. And <laughs> as long as, you know, they didn't already know whoever you said was your employer then you were probably good to go. <laughs> yeah. I think there was probably a point sometime where people called your references, but I cannot imagine such a <laughs> such an undertaking. Yeah, it's just really fascinating to look back at that. I was also surprised by how much he was offered. Me too. He got 25000 for that new job. And I'm like, that seems like a lot of money back then. Yeah, in 80s money. Yeah. That was solid. Yeah, pretty sweet. I don't like the I don't like the sound of his bosses. Yeah. I need to look back at that. I mean, I guess he, whatever he's getting into, he probably prefers more than what he had cuz he, you know, he says the whole part about, "Come on, Ampy, move your ass," you know, like Yeah. the pressure of having to get things done immediately or the whole show is ruined and you get fined a bunch of money, blah blah blah. So, he's probably like, "Eh, whatever." Which I would think he would kind of take to mean, well, then don't hire me. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I, I think that as he got bigger jobs, stage managers and crews and roadies started to get real pushy with him. And yeah. I don't think that was popular. Yeah, I think that they were at first just amazed by what he could do. And then they were like, well, why aren't you doing more? Which yeah. sucks. Which just makes me feel bad for Little Bear. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, she probably was getting a lot of the secondhand pressure. And then when she was actually there working with him, a lot of pressure and and you might be good at it, you. but do you want to spend your life soldering circuit? Yeah. And being yelled at while you're doing it. Yeah. That's not fun. <sighs> but yeah, his job hunting process is interesting. I'm glad that he <laughs> was able to find something that paid well. Me too. Very nice. And that he could do. That he enjoyed. Yeah. Worked out pretty well for him. Okay. Uh, did you have any other comments about look me in the eye before we move on? No, I think I've. I think I'm settled on that. Okay. Still Not enjoyable. a whole lot happened in these chapters. Yeah. It was mostly just, you know, the the process of his work. Yeah. And how he got to be around famous people and make some famous things that you have probably seen. Yeah. I actually, I haven't seen a lot of the stuff that he's talking about. And I'm like, I bet there's YouTube videos. I should look that up. I think there are. Yeah. It sounds really <laughs> cool. <laughs> I like some cool guitar effects. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's move on to running with scissors. So my first prompt is, why do you think Augustine hates school so much? What arguments and evidence does he provide? I think that he knows here. <laughs> he is not at all in the same headspace as students. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have any mental space to spare for any of their you know, to him, silly social engagements. Mm-hmm. And then I think that the schoolwork to him is just, why do I even have to learn that? I'm going to be, I'm going to be designing packaging. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I agree it, with that. It, it ends up, he's not even going to be designing packaging. He is mm-hmm. going to sit at a glass desk and he is going to approve okay packaging. Yeah. Approve packaging. Yeah. So, Less and less is he involved with actual work of any kind. Yeah. I think he also has pretty unrealistic views of what the working world is like. Like, Uh I don't think he understands the stepping stones to getting to that point where you approve the packaging. (laughs) Because it's not like you just leap into that. And and once again, there he is. He has that thin veneer of sophistication over a deep, deep well of very immature low boy yeah i agree with that development yep i i think it's funny too because he knows somebody who is a cosmetologist and they are telling him like oh yeah you actually have to learn all of this stuff and someday i'm planning to open my own shop and stuff like that and he's like Oh, no, 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 no. I don't have time for all that. I'm not opening my own shop. I'm opening my own empire. And it's like, yeah, well, <laughs> you have to start with the shop and work your way up. <laughs> and so that was funny. Tries to tell him, well, you have to. I don't think you're going to like doing hair. Well, I'm not going to do hair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> his his methods for reaching his goals are quite interesting. You would think if he really just wanted to do the business side of things, he would go into business rather than studying this hairdressing book. But he decides to study (laughs) the hairdressing book. Hairdressing book. Yeah. That was written 30 (laughs) years ago. And that like half of the techniques are no longer used or maybe even legal. (laughs) So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. His approach to things is very interesting. 
I think also as far as school goes, I think that he wants to be the popular kid. And the fact that he isn't just naturally the popular kid frustrates him. I think Uh it gets back in his face about your mom hasn't become famous like she wants to. I think Mm -hmm. he's afraid he's not going to become famous like he wants to. And I think that that's just sort of glaring him in the face when he goes to school. I think that's why he keeps being like that damn Cosby girl, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And then the things that he thinks they're probably talking about, and they're probably doing something sweet. Like let's surprise Heather with going to the movies. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's, that's (laughs) not how that goes. They're not talking about anything nice. No. (laughs) If they're whispering, it's not something good. Giggling and whispering means it's mean. You would probably really enjoy it if you tried it. He would mm-hmm. just love that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think no. if he if he got into those conversations, he'd just be like, oh, yeah, I can flow with this, <laughs> which yeah. is not good. But I, no. I think he would take to it. Um, I do, too. He doesn't realize that <laughs> if he would just give the other children a chance, <laughs> he would like them. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I think he totally has the wrong idea about everything that's going on at school. Um, So sort of related to that, do you think this is Dr. Finch's first time helping someone fake a serious mental illness? Do you think it is the first time he has gone to such extreme lengths? I do not. I think that the doctor has really been a problem in a lot of Mm -hmm. places, doing a lot of stuff. I think that, I mean, it's all there. It's all ready. He knows where to go to get the pills. It's like, okay, you want to go? Let's go. Yeah. And he says, yeah, take three of these and wash it down with this. And I'm like, that sounds like something you've practiced. Yeah. (laughs) And the fact that he does know exactly where to go to get exactly what he needs. And he has the whole thing written out ahead of time. Definitely doesn't seem like a first time offense. And what really shocked me was that, I mean, it didn't entirely shock me, but that the mom just went with it. Yeah. She was just like, oh, yeah, fake your suicide. I mean, you're, yeah. you're pretty much trying to commit suicide, but that's fine. It'll work out. I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> I am surprised that she went along. I thought she would say, oh, just just take him and do it. I don't I don't have time. I am working on yeah. a 50-page poem. Well, and she did kind of hesitate. She was like, do I really have to go? Like, yeah, can't you just do this without me? And I'm like, you know, your your son could actually die. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is not foolproof. That would yeah. be just more meat for her poetry, I'm sure. Can you probably. imagine what that poetry is like? Oh, my God. It's probably difficult <laughs> to get through. And whichever one of them said that she was having summer writing workshops at her house mm-hmm. can you imagine can you imagine those must or be any really of the, interesting the workshops. girlfriends that worship her that are like mm-hmm. acolytes and a cult oh yeah. my god that's the thing no. i was thinking like this sounds like it's probably one of those weird get-togethers where we're kind of a bit of a cult we're kind of gonna have a little bit of a fling together <laughs> We're making it sound like we're writing poetry, but that's not all we're doing. I don't know if that's what's going on, but that was the immediate thought that I had. (laughs) Yeah, me too. 
Yeah. And that just does not sound fun to me. None of these things that people are doing sound like anything desirable to do. No, I'm sure that they are just trying to nurse themselves through a horrible mental breakdown. Yeah, I think so, too. I think that's the only explanation, you know, like, why else would you be doing all of this stuff? You're just trying to do whatever you think will work to get by. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I bet. I mean, I know he says in this book that she published one book of poetry. I bet that there's more that you could find out there. I'm curious. I'm curious, but I don't like poetry anyway, so I'm really don't want to know <laughs> yeah I like poetry but I'm a little nervous to seek out her poetry I'm you know I am a little bit picky with my poetry and I feel like I would not probably enjoy hers <laughs> yeah not speaking to me yeah especially with all the stuff she's got going on uh-huh. all right so Are you surprised that Augustine and Neil Bookman are still seeing each other? What do you notice about their relationship? Uh, I am surprised. I am also surprised that they both are calling it a relationship. Mm -hmm. I am surprised that he lets that kid talk to him that way. Yeah, me too. Because he he has the little angry streaks that you see. But But I suppose. Suppose he's going to let it build up until he can really beat him badly. Maybe try and kill him. Because I think that's part of it for Neil. Yeah, he definitely, I mean, he's one of Dr. Finch's patients. You know that he's got something going on. And you can see with their interactions that whatever he's got going on is pretty serious. And it does have something to do with anger. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the the actions that he takes are definitely terrible displays of anger and of not caring for people and stuff like that so it does make me really worry especially you know he augustine keeps saying that he's got this look in his eye now and then that's really Uh scary and i'm like oh man kid what are you doing i also noticed that augustine speaks to neil exactly the way that his mother speaks to his father Yes, that's right. You're a pathetic excuse for a man. You're a failure, blah, blah, blah. And it it, he does it to hurt Neil. He wants to hurt Neil, which you would think would be a sign to him that he doesn't want to be in the relationship and he should stop doing it. But I think that for some reason he wants to stay to hurt Neil, but also because he's attracted to Neil in a weird way. And he thinks that it is. He's pretending to be an adult in an adult relationship. Yep. But he is a young boy mm-hmm. who only knows about relationships from what he's seen on TV and in the home of his parents. Yeah, which is a very dysfunctional relationship, not healthy as in any way. The foreshadowing, as soon as he starts to develop hair, he is out. That will be it. Neil won't come around anymore. Yeah. It's also weird. On both ends of it, it's weird. And also, Dr. Finch knows that they're together and knows that Neil is not safe. Right. But he's just like, I mean, just let me know if anything's weird. It's like, well, okay, first of all, (laughs) you should be a little more proactive (laughs) with this kid. But also, 
this kid doesn't know what normal is. Like, how do you yeah. expect him to come to you when something is weird before things get like out of hand? And they're already out of hand. He is mm-hmm. constantly being raped by this person. Yeah. He, he doesn't stop when he says no. He doesn't mm-hmm. stop when he says it hurts. He doesn't stop when he says, I don't want to. Yeah. So aside from the fact that this child is being asked to maintain an adult relationship with an older adult man at like significantly older 20 he's 30 yeah that is not oh and then you see natalie is also involved yeah she's involved with a 41 year old man she's only 13 or 14 and he's also horrible to her and wasn't he in prison or something I forget what I don't remember, but he seems like a total skis too. And yeah, he went to prison because he punched her and she pressed charge. Oh, right. Yeah. He was abusive to her and got in trouble for it. And everybody's just like, yeah, I mean, she still loves him. Yeah. What? (laughs) She's 15. So uh uh he picked her up from the psychiatrist's office. Yeah. Oh Lord. Yeah. (laughs) And then the doctor says these troubling things. Well, at 13 at 14 you're making sexual decisions that are fine yeah you're an adult you can do this it's fine his mother tells him you're 13 you're an adult now i know Uh, no that just makes me think of like you know back in the day girls would be married off at 13 or even younger and it was like well you're a wife now you're an adult blah 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 i'm like no even back then nobody was an adult they were just being forced to be adults Right. And even then, even if it's a medieval royal marriage, that was for political purposes. It was not for wifely purposes. Sometimes they let you have a husband who was 14 and that was okay, but often not. So yeah, that you can't, that's not, that's not what people did. (laughs) Yeah. It's all very messed up. And I mean, like, I don't disagree with you know, if somebody's 13, 14 years old, they should have some autonomy. You should treat mm-hmm. them like they are somewhat mature, but <laughs> you shouldn't tell them, oh, it's fine. Go have a sexual relationship with a 40 year old. Don't worry about it. Oh, he hit you. Oh, that, well, you still love him. That's OK. <laughs> well, here here's the part that was worse. They gave him custody of her. Right. Yeah. So now he is not only her abuser and her boyfriend, but also her father. Right, right. Very messed up. Her guardian, anyway, but still. A father yeah. figure. Right. You know, it's gross. It's and I, I'm not saying it's gross because of, like, any one factor. I'm saying it's gross because it is so clearly unhealthy and not okay. Like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> This family, like, just proves itself to be more and more messed up. So they can't make any good decisions. Don't make them go live with an old man. (laughs) Yeah, who clearly is creeping. They can't make good decisions. Don't let the mentally disturbed man that lives in the barn be their boyfriend. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, Dr. Finch is also kind of a sexual deviant and a creepy old man so i guess he's He's probably like oh kindred spirits he's a predator because he preys on his patients yeah his mentally unstable patients yeah 
And like I've said before, I am not a judgy person. I am pretty open-minded, but all of this is pretty damn messed up. (laughs) It is messed up. These are people who can't protect themselves and they are depending on someone to help them who takes advantage of them for their own. That's the thing. Most of the people in this book that I am concerned about are children who are being Uh preyed upon. And Uh I mean, even Augustine's mom, she's not Uh a child, but she does not have the capacity to make her own decisions, really, uh, or at least not to make safe and healthy decisions. She's severely mentally ill. Yeah. And that's the case with most of the adults in this story, is that they are all mentally ill, incapable of making appropriate decisions that will be healthy for them. Yeah. And they get preyed upon. Yeah. And it's gross. It's And then they learn to prey on others, which is worse. Yeah. Pretty gnarly stuff. I'm nervous about, you know, the rest of the book. I'm always nervous about the rest of this book because it just seems to always give me more to be disgusted by. Yeah. (sighs) But we'll see how it goes. I have one more prompt for this one. Augustine seems to obsess over a single career option, then suddenly switch to another for which he becomes equally obsessive. Why do you think that is? Because he's 14 years old. Yeah. If he was in one of those households that he thinks everybody is happy and so different from him, he would be exactly the same. Mm -hmm. If he had normal parental support, he would be exactly the same. Mm -hmm. It's not, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's what kids do. Kids imagine what they're going to do as adults and they talk about it. And they are just as obsessive about being a professional singer now as they will be about being a diplomat in six months. Yep, I think that's true. I also think that he has an extra incentive to obsess over things because he needs to distract himself and he needs to cope with things. So Mm -hmm. I think, you know, having this book that he can read cover to cover and learn all of these hairdressing techniques and practice them and practice them and practice them. I think that's a really effective distraction for him when he's going through horrible things. Yeah, I agree. I am in many ways, I'm glad he doesn't live with his mother anymore because yeah. I don't think that was, at least he has Natalie mm-hmm. at Dr. Finch's house. I think his mother would probably start to put her paranoid fantasies on him yeah, as he she, got older. I think they kind of treated John Elder like, oh, you're a demon child. You know, you, you, there's something wrong with you. I think she would have started to see Augustine that way. Yeah, because anytime he disagreed with her, I think that would hit her really hard. Yeah. And I think that she would overreact to it and then build up an image of him in her head like she has with his father. Yep, I agree. Which would be terrible. Yeah, I think that it has been terrible for him to live with the Finches, if only because of Neil Bookman. But I think that it's been the saving of him. Yeah, I think if it wasn't for Neil... I think the other things would be things that he could cope with that wouldn't be so horrible. You know, I mean, obviously it's unsanitary. It's messed up. You know, Dr. Finch with all of his weird sexual things, his theories and all of that. That's all pretty messed up. And I don't think he would come out of it (laughs) unscarred. But Mm -hmm. I think the part that really is dangerous for him and unhealthy for him is Neil. Yeah. And I just want to say, that I think 
that sexuality for young teens is perfectly normal. Yeah. And something that teens should be able to talk with somebody about and to Mm -hmm. explore, but not engage in a relationship, I think with anybody, really, but certainly not with adults. Yeah, not with adults, for sure. I think that just the fact that, you know, adults have learned more, they understand more about sexuality and about things like consent and stuff like that. Kids don't know as much about all of that stuff. They don't understand what different types of relationships mean, what they should look like, stuff like that. So I feel like anytime you have an adult and a child engaged in that, it's uneven playing ground. So that makes it really bad because then you know, the adult has the upper hand. They they can manipulate really easily. They can control really easily, which is really disgusting. But then also, you know, kids are in the process of maturing. Like, I don't think that's a time for them to be involved in that. You know, I, I think, yeah. you know, every kid, well, not every kid, a lot of kids are going to, you know, play around, experiment a little bit, you know, They should have access to information and they should have support, but the way to give them access to information is not by making sex the only thing that you talk about, not making Mm -hmm. sexual theories the only thing that you talk about, not having them engaging in relationships with people who are much older than them, who have different life experiences, you know. And I would also like to point out that Neil Bookman is not pursuing a relationship with Augustine. He is not even really, it's not even about the sexual part of it for him. It's about hurting someone and it's about being violent to someone. It would be this, with very little trouble, it would be just beating up somebody. Yeah. And I think if, if he really wanted to pursue a relationship of any sort, he would listen more, such as when Augustine says no. Yeah. But he doesn't listen at all. He he just says, oh, it'll be fine. Just give it a few minutes. It'll feel great. Blah, blah, blah. Never feels great. Nope. You know? Yeah. So, um, I mean, yeah, I think that's the biggest problem in Augustine's life at that point is just that Neil is preying on him like that. Yeah. And I think that part of the issue is also that Neil has his own issues that have not mm-hmm. been resolved, that have not been treated, that, <laughs> you know, that he's seen Dr. Finch okay. for, which is not helpful. <laughs> Possibly, maybe not even addressed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that Neil is just some crummy human being, you know, I think that He's also responding to crummy things in his life, but unfortunately he's not getting any help with that because he's seeing Dr. Finch. (laughs) Right. So, and then, you know, Augustine gets to deal with the crap that comes out of that. Yeah. (sighs) All right. So then I had one compare and contrast point. John Elder's life seems to be calming down while Augustine's life seems to be getting even more bizarre. What factors play a role in this difference? John Elder is becoming a regular, uh, I mean, he's getting into a part of his life where he's a mature adult. And Augustine is getting into the part of his life where he is an adolescent. I think that's so, true, yeah. Just a very untethered part of your life. Yeah, 
I definitely agree with that. I think also the fact that John Elder did successfully get away from his parents and from the Finches. I mean, he was barely involved with the Finches. I think that made a huge difference in his life. I think the fact that Augustine has been stuck with them and those are the people he's had to rely on for the most part. I think that that is what is really making his life miserable because, Yeah. yeah, being an adolescent sucks. But being an adolescent who is dealing with mentally ill people and manipulative people basically exclusively (laughs) he doesn't really have any positive figures in his life i think that that's what's really making his life hectic and like miserable (laughs) yeah i don't think that he could even hear what a regular person could tell him i don't think that he would even they would even speak the same language yeah i agree with that i think that I don't know that there would be like one particular thing about a regular person's life that would offend him or anything. I just think he would be like, what the heck? You know, I don't think he could relate. Yeah, that's because he hasn't had a regular experience. (laughs) Right. (sighs) Yeah. And I think, you know, John Elder has still had to go through some stuff. You know, he has become an adult much sooner than he should have. He was involved with rock stars who were, (laughs) you know, drinking and doing drugs and having women all over the place and stuff like that. So he's definitely had influences in his life that could have had a very negative effect on him. Uh But I think it's still far different from what Augustine is going through. Because John Elder, I think, was like, well, I just don't really like any of this. And like, I don't care about any of it. But... Uh Augustine is like, well, this is my entire life. (laughs) This is all that I have. (laughs) Uh And, you know, I I do think that that is why he obsesses about specific things is because there's at least something that almost seems normal. (laughs) He, John Elder, just does not seem to have, I would say he doesn't like things and he's not married to things. Yeah. But he sure does love his silk suit and his Cadillac cars. Yeah, he likes very specific things. I, I wonder if they would be considered special interests. I think that they and would. Good me- he brings up good meals a lot, which is also surprising because he doesn't seem to be the kind of person who can only eat certain things. Mm-hmm. He seems to be somebody who branches out quite a bit. At, like they're going to... Montreal so they stop at the little restaurant and have the best meal of his life I was honestly surprised that he even partook in any of the luxury stuff I didn't think that he'd Uh be the type of person to be like yeah I'll eat at this five-star restaurant I'll sleep at this very expensive hotel I'll wear this very expensive clothing for this event like that doesn't seem like something that he would care about enough to even do but he does it And I guess it's just a matter of circumstance. He's just there, you know. It could be, but he prefers these things. And he does say a little bit about why. He compares his hotel experience that was lousy with the hotel experience. So he goes to stay at the Hilton after that. Yeah. Because it was terrible where he was. It was was unlivable. And, you know, Mm -hmm. a person that was a little less able to express himself, you know, that might be a real big deal, a meltdown. Mm -hmm deal that's true also i mean if you're if you go for quality then you have less to worry about 
So exactly. if you're worried about how good the place you're staying is going to be, go for the Hilton. Why not? <laughs> right. I think that's that's what's back of all of his questions of quality. He gets the best he can that he likes because he knows it will be okay. He knows exactly what he's getting. Yeah. Then you don't have to worry about it. It's right. one less thing that he has to concern himself with. Right. Because he's yeah, already concerning himself with how do other people react to me and how am I supposed to react to them? That takes up a lot of his brain power. Yeah. So why so not make I, everything else easier? <laughs> right. And he yeah. makes it easier, not in the way that we might expect, like he just picks out one box of macaroni and cheese that he will eat and that's it. Instead, he just gets the best thing there is. Yeah. Which makes sense. It does make sense. All right. Well, that was all that I had for today. And it is about time to wrap up. All right. All right. I'm going to go make biscuits in a minute. (laughs) Ooh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. I got to figure out what I'm going to eat for dinner, but I'm sure I'll have something good. Go for quality. Go for quality. (laughs) Get the best. That's how ice cream. That's what you're going to have. I do have some ice cream and it is kind of the best ice cream. Is it vegan? It is. It's vegan Ben and Jerry's. Oh, you tried it. Mm -hmm, How how is it? Well, I've had some flavors in the past that I really like. My favorite of all time is Netflix and Chilled. But (laughs) I currently have a creme brulee one, creme brulee cookie, Uh, and uh a mint chocolate cookie. I really Uh like the mint chocolate cookie. Uh That one's really good. Is it like tofu based? No, the ones that I have right now are actually sunflower based. Oh, which I had never had before. The ones that uh-huh. I've had in the past, I think were mostly almond, but the one that I have right there, the two that I have right now mm-hmm. are sunflower. So they're good. That sounds great. It's really good. <laughs> I'm not a huge ice cream fan. It's oh, cold I am. <laughs> and I don't like, I can't take real cold and I can't take real hot. So just that like makes sense. medium temperature stuff. I have really sensitive teeth, but when it comes to ice cream, I'm like, whatever. I love ice cream. I tell my cat and I tell my nephews that I love them more than ice cream. So (laughs) (laughs) it means a lot. (laughs) That does mean a lot. (laughs) All right. Well, we'd better get going, but thank you so much for coming this week. Thank you for having me again. No notes this time, but I'm sure you understand. (laughs) Yeah, that's fine. We've still got discussions open, so it'll be fine. Great. All right. Thank you, Heather. I'll see you another time. Yep. Bye. Bye-bye.